You're listening to Comedy Central. May 7, 2018. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist and the author of a new book about American diplomacy. Ronan Farrow is joining us, everybody. Really smart guy, we're gonna have a great conversation. But first, we spend so much time talking about how President Trump is driving America crazy that we sometimes forget he drives the rest of the world crazy too. Two of the United States' closest allies are expressing their anger and disappointment over recent comments made by President Trump. France is upset over claims the president made about the November 2015 terrorist attacks in Paris. They took their time and gunned them down one by one. Boom, come over here. Boom, come over here. Boom. And there are a lot of people in the UK who are angry about the president's claim that the country has a, a knifing or stabbing problem. They say it's as bad as a military war zone Hospital, knives, knives, knives. You know, not only is Trump a bad leader, he would be the worst at movie sound effects. <laughs> it would just be like, shower curtain, open sound. <laughs> knives, knives, knives. Water in background. <laughs> and I, I honestly wish that bad sound effects were the worst thing happening here, but I get why the UK and France are so offended. Trump was trivializing other countries' tragedies. Like, just imagine how people would feel if the president of France got up on stage and was like, and then the flame, the planes flew into the towers. Wee boo, wee boo, come over here, aeroplane, wee boo. <laughs> like, it felt less like a presidential speech and more like a bad comic previewing his one-man show, Murders Around the World. That's what it felt like. <laughs> and in Australia, it's boomerang, boomerang, boomerang. In Russia, it's poison, poison, poison. In Africa, AIDS, AIDS, AIDS. Mosquito comes, then boom, Ebola, folks. No good. In Poland, they have submarines, but they build them with screen doors. So many drownings. It's a tragedy, folks. It's a tragedy. Okay. Let's move on now to some news in the sports world. The NHL playoffs are underway, and uh, there's a bit of a scandal going on. Think of the worst behavior you can imagine by a hockey player. I bet you it wasn't this. The Boston Bruins' Brad Marchand was warned by the NHL and his own coach not to lick the faces of any more of his opponents. <laughs> He's had his tongue out for much of the series against what? the Lightning, um, but it didn't help. How, how long is his tongue? Like, how is he doing that? I mean, I, I guess, I know it's disgusting, but in his defense, if fighting is a normal part of the sport, how do you take it to the next level, right? <laughs> yeah, because in hockey, you punch a guy and he's like, whatever, man, it's Monday. You lick a guy and he's scarred for life. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so the bad news is that this player got in trouble with the NHL and his coach. On the bright side, though, he already got a call from DJ Khaled's wife. <laughs> but let's get to the big news of the weekend. While Donald Glover was looking for his shirts in an airplane hangar, the opposite of Donald Glover, Rudy Giuliani, was looking to redeem himself from last week's fiasco. 
Now remember, former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani is now also Donald Trump's new lawyer. And in his debut last week, he revealed for the first time that Trump was involved in the late 2016 hush money payment to Stormy Daniels, despite Trump always having denied he knew about it. And the next morning, Trump tweeted in support of Giuliani's statement, but then Giuliani, his big reveal was that he didn't get the response that he and his new boss were hoping for. Did he create more legal problems for the president, more legal problems for Michael Cohen? Is there a strategy here? Now I'm left scratching my head saying, what are they doing? What the heck? He didn't know, he didn't know. I love Rudy, but they, they better have an explanation for that. That's a, that's a, that's a problem. It was shocking. It's a major screw up. An appalling thing to watch. I liken it to a murder-suicide. <laughs> Damn. That is the most brutal review I've heard since Mike Pence saw Wonder Woman. The only thing I'm wondering about this woman is where her husband is. <laughs> Two thumbs down. So, everyone from Fox to MSNBC agreed Giuliani's story was a disaster, right? All he had done was get the president in more campaign violation trouble. So, uh, Trump broke out a special move that he usually reserves just for his golf game, a do-over. Rudy is a great guy, but he just started a day ago. But he really has his heart into it. He's working hard. He's learning the subject matter. Uh, he'll get his facts straight. He's a great guy. You know, it's so weird to hear Trump defending someone the way we normally hear other people defending him. He's still learning. He's new at the job. That's, you know, he's still getting used to it. Like, that's not how you describe a high-priced lawyer. That's how you defend a kid who's having trouble at school. We're getting Rudy a tutor, folks. Give him a chance. <laughs> he's a good kid. And he already knows all his shapes. Give him a chance, folks. <laughs> so, as of Friday, that was the new plan. Throw away everything Giuliani said last week because he doesn't know what he's talking about. And you could see why Trump likes Giuliani because Saturday, he went back on TV to throw himself under the bus. Did you misspeak or did people not interpret what you were saying? The facts, I, 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 I'm still learning. This is, you know, 1.2 million documents. I've been in the case for two weeks, virtually one day in comparison to other people. So I, I, I'm not an expert on the facts yet. I'm getting there. But I'm, I am an expert on the law. And the fact is, there is no way this is a campaign finance violation of any kind. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. You can't have it both ways. Giuliani says he, he's new and he doesn't know the facts, but then he also says, for a fact, Trump didn't break any laws. You can't do that. It's like a detective walking into a crime scene and immediately saying, I don't know what happened here, but I'm gonna say he's innocent. All right, let's go get lunch. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, shit, who killed that guy? <laughs> oh, murder mystery. <laughs> so on Saturday, Fox News was willing to forgive and forget, which was great for Giuliani. Unfortunately, on ABC on Sunday, there's a very short man with a very long memory who asked Giuliani a simple question that led to an amazing response. So the president did know about this after the campaign. I can't say that. I mean, I, at some point, yes, but it could have been recently. It could have been a while back. Those are the facts that we're still uh, wor working on and that, you know, maybe in a little bit of dispute. Uh, this is more rumor than it is anything else. But well, that's what you said. The, here, you said that to BuzzFeed. But here's the... Re well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the possibilities and one of the rumors. Uh, the, the reality is... You stated it as fact. Well, maybe I did, but I, uh, right now I'm at the point where I'm learning and it, I can only, I can't prove that. I can just say it's rumor. I can prove it's rumor, but I can't prove it's fact. I 
I feel like I just smoked weed through the TV. <laughs> Giuliani is in an interview telling us that we shouldn't listen to what he says in interviews. And, and I don't know if I'm confused or if he's confused, but I guess fortunately he cleared it up immediately. He's confused. Said, as a matter of fact, on Hannity and BuzzFeed, you talked to the Washington <laughs> Post about it. I don't know. How do you separate fact and opinion? I, <laughs> I don't know how you separate fact and opinion. That's pretty basic, but I, but I guess in a way he has a point. I, I mean, see, like my opinion is that Giuliani is bat boy after he grew up. <laughs> but that could also be a fact. So who knows? Who knows? <laughs> now at this point. Giuliani's defense strategy just seems to be dismantle reality. But really, it fits into the whole idea that Trump and his people have always been playing with. Fiction versus facts. Facts are anything that helps Trump, and anything that doesn't help Trump isn't a fact. Yeah. And as Trump's lawyer, this is going to be Giuliani's challenge, because they haven't figured out yet what version of events won't get Trump into trouble. <laughs> yeah, once they figure that out, that's when they'll start calling things facts. And this is a tactic we can all understand. It's like when a cop pulls you over and they ask you how fast you were going and then you try to figure out the speed limits. <laughs> You're like, uh, officer, I was going uh, 50, 55 miles an hour. It's like, oh, that's 10 miles faster. Foot before I went 45 miles an hour. You didn't let me finish. Yeah, yeah. Well, you said you were going 55. No, that was a rumor. This is a fact. <laughs> I just started driving a week ago. I'm very new at this. This is all very new for me. I, I don't know how any of this works, officer. And look, I, I completely understand this strategy, but you have to admit, it makes these guys look super guilty right now. And I'm not on Trump's legal team, but I have some advice. Giuliani, I know you're still learning the facts, but until you get them settled, maybe take a page from DJ Khaled and stop using your mouth for a while. <laughs> we'll be right back. Obviously, Rudy Giuliani had a terrible weekend from a PR perspective, but legally speaking, how will this affect President Donald Trump? For the answer, we turn to our senior legal correspondent, Michael Costa, everybody. <laughs> Michael, um, do you think the president regrets bringing Giuliani onto the team? Because, I mean, this feels like a total mess. Well, yeah, maybe to you, you sweet, dimpled simpleton, but... <laughs> To a trained lawyer like myself, Rudy Giuliani is a legal wizard, and this is his fantasia. Oh, okay, first of all, you, you, are, you are not a lawyer. Oh, really? Well, then how come every judge in this city knows me on a first-name basis? <laughs> because you don't pay your parking tickets. Ah, wrong again. It's because I don't pay child support. Now... <laughs> how I know Rudy is a genius. Before he showed up, the facts in this case seemed obvious. Donald Trump paid hush money to a porn star three weeks before the election. Open and shut case. But now, thanks to Rudy, what do we know? We know the president didn't pay Cohen to pay Daniels, except he did, but from a general legal fund, which didn't exist unless it does. Either way, the president didn't know about it, other than the parts he knew, which was nothing. And... <laughs> 
And clearly no campaign finance laws were broken because Trump was going to pay Stormy Daniels or not, regardless of the election. And this massive, tiny payment was chump change that also made her rich. You can, you can trust Rudy on that because he's an expert on campaign finance, even though he knows nothing because he just started on the case like an hour ago. <laughs> What? Yeah, it, exactly. No one knows what's going on, which means reasonable doubt. Case dismissed, huh? Everybody head back to the judges' chambers for sangria and chips. No, 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 don't, don't, don't encourage him. Michael, hold on. Muddying the waters might work in the press, but it actually doesn't work in a court of law. How is Rudy Giuliani gonna convince a judge that Trump didn't illegally pay off Stormy Daniels? Well, don't you worry, Rudy's got an airtight defense. The agreement with Michael Cohen, as far as I know, is a long-standing agreement that Michael Cohen takes care of situations like this, then gets paid for them sometimes. So did Michael Cohen make payments to other women for the president? I have no knowledge of that, uh, but I, w I, w I would think if it was necessary, yes. Okay, wait, wait, wait. How, how does that help? I mean, all Rudy said was that the president might regularly pay women to be silent about affairs. Exactly. It's, it's what we, near the legal profession, call the scumbag defense. <laughs> the what? The scumbag defense, otherwise known as pleading the 69th up top. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm not, I'm not high-fiving you. What is the scumbag defense? You see, paying off Stormy Daniels is only illegal if Trump did it to help his campaign. But if Trump was paying hush money to women all the time, then it wouldn't be for the campaign. It's just a reoccurring expense he barely pays attention to, like a cable bill or child support. Wow. So the bigger a cheating scumbag Trump is, the less likely it is that this hush money broke any laws. Bingo. Let me break it down to you this way. You see, on this chart... Oh, not a chart, not a chart. Yeah, okay. So on this chart, here shows there are two spheres of the scumbag defense. So here's innocence, and over here is being a scumbag. Now, normally they don't overlap, but now Giuliani has inserted Trump right here, and this is his comfort zone. And he can bounce back and forth between these two with total freedom. Innocent, scumbag, innocent, scumbag. And he can get right in the middle there and just be perfect. Justice, Trevor. And that's why Rudy is a genius. All he has to do is prove to a jury that Donald Trump is a bad person. And there's not a jury in the world that would rule against that. Case dismissed. Michael Costa, everybody. We'll be right back. is a Pulitzer Prize-winning investigative journalist who writes for The New Yorker and is the author of the new book, War on Peace, The End of Diplomacy and the Decline of American Influence. Please welcome Ronan Farrow. Hello. Welcome to the show. A pleasure to be here. You are an overachiever in the journalistic world. So many people talk about all the stories that you're breaking. I mean, the Me Too movement 
was broken by your story? Like, I mean, it, it, it's what sparked a movement. Well, there were very brave women who were sources. There were right. great activists who preceded that. But I'm honored to have been a conduit for some of those stories. They, right. they were and tough to tell. They were tough to tell for the women involved. They were also tough for you to tell as a journalist. Like, we read all these stories about Harvey Weinstein and these people that he was hiring. And were you, were you ever afraid? Is that a point where you go, like, maybe I shouldn't break stories. I'm just going to tweet 10 most likely <laughs> things that people want to click on. I mean, I'll do that, too. Cat listicles are the future, guys. Right. <laughs> but uh, but it, is, it is true. You know, look, there was uh, intimidation. There was a system designed to shut down these stories. And that affected not just me, but a whole range of brave journalists going up against this thing. And uh, sure, like, the moment when you find yourself sort of deciding, do I go home tonight because I'm getting staked out? And like, if I do go home, I go in with my keys and I'm like looking under the bed and pulling right. back the shower curtain. It's like, okay, either I'm crazy or actually the story is stranger than fiction. And as it turns out, what we were able to break is he was hiring, you know, former Mossad agents, right. combat-ready operatives that were, in fact, following people around using false identities. The news that you just broke today, for instance, or that just broke today, is a story of how the Trump administration was secretly hiring an Israeli team of spies to dig up dirt on people who worked on the Iran deal. Is that correct? In fact, the same Israeli spies uh, from a firm called Black Cube. The same as the Harvey Weinstein? That Harvey Weinstein hired. Uh, And in some cases, using the same false identities and front companies that I heard from when I was getting stalked by, by these guys. Wait, so, so, so explain to me just a little bit of the detail. So they were hiring these people not to, not to undermine the deal itself, but to undermine the people who put the deal together. Why? So that's the surprising part of this. These are policy wonks, you know? These are Obama advisors. And, you know, we don't have all the answers yet, but sources close to this and documents that we obtained at The New Yorker show very clearly there was a seemingly political in focus uh, operation designed to smear them, seemingly all connected to their work on the 2015 Iran deal. It's interesting because this sounds less like a story you would hear in a first world country or a country that claims to be pro-democracy than you would in a country that's totalitarian. Uh, You talk about this in the book, War and Peace, the end of diplomacy and the decline of American influence. It really speaks to, uh, in a way, what's happening with the Iran deal. It seems like Trump and his people do not care about the diplomacy that America conducts in the world. It's now just become war or no war, talking or no talking. Why do you think that's happened? Yeah, these stories all connect. Look, these are individuals fighting desperately to save a deal because they believe if we unilaterally as a nation back out of the Iran deal, for all its imperfections, it's worked in its narrow goal of containing them for a time. And if we back out, their fear is it drives a wedge between us and our allies, and it potentially sends a message to North Korea and other rogue states that we don't want to be sending, that they shouldn't come to the table. And as you suggest, this is all connected. They are getting smeared and intimidated. Right. It's in a context, as I outline in War on Peace, where their profession is endangered, where people who make our deals and negotiate and hopefully secure uh, options for addressing conflicts around the world that don't involve going in guns blazing, uh, they are under attack. They are getting fired en masse. People don't understand what they do anymore. And more and more, that work is being outsourced to the military, to our spies, to the intelligence community. That's interesting because you, you spoke to every living secretary of state. And you spoke about how America's diplomacy has been on the decline. This isn't something that started with Trump, but it may be accelerating now. Is this a sustainable way to conduct oneself in the world where it is military first, diplomacy second? 
Well, what I chronicle in War on Peace is, in place after place, when we sabotage opportunities for political settlements and peaceful ways out, and we go in shooting first, it, it really comes back to haunt us, Trevor. Uh, again and again, we see situations where we end up lying down with warlords and strongmen and right. unsavory characters, and then we have no leverage over them because we have fired all of the diplomats who could negotiate and play hardball in that way. Right. And if you, if you look at the current situation, there are countries where America doesn't have a diplomat right now. There are countries where there is no one handling that high-level negotiation. What happens in that, in that case? Yeah, so you're exactly right. This is happening to a new extreme right now. Uh, Donald Trump has unceremoniously fired, basically, you know, ambassadors across the world, uh, assistant secretaries that run some of the most sensitive regions in the world. Right. So we have an, an understaffed, unmanned diplomatic operation. There is precedent for this before. We've seen other administrations Democratic and Republican sort of sideline diplomats and right. see how disaster it is, disastrous it is. But this is new in terms of what an extreme it is. And when you look at the consequences, we see uh, situations where there are active opportunities to make peace and we just give them up. We see situations where you could bring people to the table potentially and spare right. brave servicemen and women going into the line of fire and we give those up. It's a real problem. And, and I'd also point out for people who kind of don't want to think about those high level talks, these are also the people that screen dangerous interlopers from coming into the United States. Right, right, That right. stamp your passports, that uh, save you if you're kidnapped abroad. You know, th this is unglamorous work, but it's life-saving. It's life-saving, it's integral, and it's currently crumbling. It's a fascinating book. You're a fascinating man. Thank you so hey, much for being you, on the Trevor. show. Thank you, Trevor. Pleasure to be here. Really appreciate it. War on Peace is available now. Ronan Farron, everybody. Thank you. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.